Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Brogan. This season on Working, we're going to the White House, talking to the people who operate within its walls about the particulars of their jobs during the final months of a historic presidency. This week, we chatted with Gregory Lorgist, deputy assistant to the president and director of scheduling. This is the guy who's responsible for figuring out what the president is going to do from one minute to the next whenever he's on the road. Largest talked to us about how he fills his own days, describing the ways that he and his team work out the details of those complex schedules, and he also explained how they proceed when things start falling apart, whether on account of bad weather or in the face of some pressing tragedy. Then he offered a little advice about time management and talked to us about the most meaningful day that he's helped schedule. And in a Slate Plus Extra, Largest tells us about planning the inauguration. If you're a member, enjoy bonus segments and interview transcripts from Working, plus other great podcast exclusives. Start your two-week free trial today at slate.com slash working plus. What is your name and what do you do? My name is Gregory Lorges. I am Deputy Assistant to the President and Director of Scheduling for the White House. What does that entail? What is the scope of your job as director of scheduling? My specific role is to, one, manage uh, the team that works on the day-to-day, minute-by-minute schedule of the president. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that focuses on everything that's happening outside of the house. You know, so whenever the president uh, travels domestically or internationally, I play a part in helping shape how travel appearances, speeches, stuff like that? Yeah. I will focus on like making sure that those events are handled properly and at the same time sort of like 
overseeing what's happening here in the house, you know, thinking, you know, not just about what's happening today, but uh, what's happening tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, actually. We're in the executive office building right now. Can you describe the office? When I got promoted, you know, it was the first time that I actually had an office space to myself. And I took pride in making sure that it's decorated in a way that explain who I am as a person, you know, so there's photos of John Lewis, who is, you know, my fraternity brother and someone throughout college, you know, once I learned about all that he did, it inspired me to be like an active leader. You also have a lot of pictures of your kids. Yes. And that, that, that helps me stay grounded, me being able to look at my kids, you know, so there's a lot of photos that are facing me and they're facing folks that would be meeting with me because I want them to know that my kids are extremely important to me. So yes, I will do the best I can, you know, to work, you know, and make sure that the president's schedule is in tip top shape. But the most important thing to me is my family. And then there's the map that sort of show everywhere that I've been since being in that job. There's a sign outside your door that is counting down the days. Yes. So each day, you know, like, I'll write what day we have. And it's not, you know, like a reminder of like, we're all going to be unemployed, (laughs) but it's more like, hey, you know, like we still have 189 days, you know, so although there's nothing that uh, we can do for folks to not say this is like at one point we'll all be lame ducks, but like the president's going to work up until January 21st, you know, the last second, and so will his staff. So we won't get day 190 back. So let's make it special. So at the end of this administration, you will have scheduled something in the neighborhood of 3,000 days. 365 times eight. But I mean, it's just hard to judge it because like, you know, on a typical day, like, you know, the president could do anywhere between, you know, uh, three to five things, you know, like some being events that you see on TV, but like the meetings also count. So the 3,000 number is, is safe. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, is there one day in those thousands of days that you've been involved with that is especially precious to you? One day that seems especially important? So, um, yes. Um, and for several reasons. The trip that the president took to Newark, New Jersey, it was uh, special to me because he was going to an area that I grew up, you know, so I grew up in a, a small town called Irvington, you know, so right side of Newark. And the focus of the trip was to talk about second chances, you know. So I've had several friends that, you know, have either been murdered in the streets through the gun violence or kind of gone down a negative path and like are in jail, you know. So I know what I'm doing is uh, is special and not common for the folks that come from where I come from. You know, so to be able to go to a city that I'm familiar with, driving in the motorcade and being able to point out places that I've been, places where like a friend of mine was gunned down, you know, and knowing that the president came to talk to young men about, you know, you've made mistakes and society sometimes don't forgive you even though the justice system has. Um, And I feel your pain. And like, you know, this is what I'm going to work to do uh, to help you, you know. So like talking about ban the box and making sure that there are programs that uh, are in place so once a person comes out of prison that they don't feel lost, you know. So like that trip or all the trips that kind of like relate to, you know, going to hard hit areas 
where it's more about making people aware that, look, this is a nation of second chances and, you know, like, we can't tell someone that they're free and they're really not. Although none of the people that he met with were folks that I knew personally, but I know 10 people that wasn't in the room that will be impacted by what he's saying, you know? And so being able to schedule it and be in the meetings where we're talking about who he's going to meet with and where he's going to go and then actually living it with him would be a trip that um, I would say is, you know, like the, the best one for me if I had to pick just one. Is there a particular moment on that day that stands out to you on that trip? So um, on that trip... Um, one of my best friends, you know, like I got a ticket for him to be able to hear their speech and like he was able to go backstage and take a photo with the president. That was special for me because, you know, like his brother, you know, months earlier lost his life, um, in Newark and, I see the pain in his eyes every day. And, you know, for him, you know, knowing that, right, like the president was here and he's talking about like the gun violence that happens um, and me being able to introduce him to the president and the president, you know, you know, taking a photo with him and seeing that photo then passed around around the community and folks just, you know, like, like, look, you know, like it's going to be okay. You know, um, that was special to me. And it's things that, no one else at the time realized, you know, cause like you don't walk around and talk about, you know, like, all right, well, you know, I've had, you know, five friends that has, that's been murdered since I've worked here. You know, like that's just not something that people will ask me. And it's, you know, like there's a difference between empathy and understanding, you know, and at a certain point, like it's, you know, like I don't want empathy, you know, it's hard to like, I like, uh, thank you for feeling bad for me, but like, I need someone that I can relate to. So like going back helped me, you know, be in that environment and be with the person that has the same pain as I do or have to like live their life with like the same type of pain that, you know, like I, I go through. Yeah. How many people do you, do you work with? How many people are on your team? So um, in total, the office scheduling advance consists of about 28 people. So it's split between scheduling and advance, you know. So scheduling is primarily the folks that are working on the minute-by-minute minute plan, you know, like so sketching out the day. And the advance side are the executors. So if you think of a canvas, you know, we will draw it in black and white and the advance team will add the color. They're the people that go out and into the field and, and make sure that everything yeah. can happen according so to the like schedule? They'll, they'll get them into the beast, get them to the site and, you know, kind of walk them through step by step what he's doing. Is there a lot of interplay between what you do and what they do? A lot of give and take? Uh, yes. They are never here, you know, because like they're bouncing from city to city. So they actually need folks that are grounded that are taking the time to understand why we're doing this. You know, let's say the Democratic National Convention, you know, you know, that is just one day of the president's time, but like we will plan out what he's doing weeks in advance, you know, and it's the actual scheduling side that will sit in on meetings, trying to get a better sense of like why we're going to do this event, you know, so talking to the policy departments, we then implement, all right, well, this is how much time we're going to allot to this, you know, this is how the president's going to get from point A to point B. So for example, when someone is say writing a speech for him, do they have to come to you and work out with you how much time 
they're going to have for it? Is it? Yes. Yeah, so like speech writing, like, you know, we will, before we set a time, you know, so we would talk to the office of speech writing and say like, all right, well, for this particular event or this message, you know, how long do you think the president's remarks will be? You know, they would tell us, you know, well, we're thinking that it's 20 to 25 minutes. We take that 20 to 25 minutes and add the other components. So, so if the president's going to work a rope line, we know that that will take anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes. So we tack on that to what speech writing has given us as a guide. So you're having to schedule that down to the minute. Uh, yes, very uh, to the very minute. And like, what's important for us too is to never go into a an event and you know just make it our own because obviously the Democratic National Convention is going to go on for days, and like they already have their set plan. So like we are just trying to find the balance. Right. Well, like everything that you guys have worked on for probably over a year now, you know, like how are we going to position the president in a way that it's not going to take away from like the overall theme of this. And it's also going to be respectful of, you know, his time. When you're dealing with the president himself, how much of your own thinking about his schedule is just based on what you know he wants to accomplish, what you know his priorities are, how much of it is, is, what he's telling you he actually wants to do. So like our interaction, at least for me, like, you know, like I, there's times where I have gotten it firsthand where like, you know, you're, you're sitting in a room and the president sort of like says, all right, well, this is like what I'm thinking. And like everybody's taking notes and like we go back and then shape it, you know, so like everything starts off with an idea, you know, we then take that and try to make a picture out of it. How specific is an idea when it first comes to you from the president that you then have to start working with? Well, so I can, I'll use our trip where the president went to India. You know, he was uh, going to be awarded um, every year. They they honor a leader uh, with a special award. And, you know, it's in New Delhi. And, you know, the president said, you know, well, you know, if I'm going to go to India, like, it would be great if we, I can visit the Taj Mahal. We then start to plan that out and like the Taj Mahal being, you know, one of, you know, like a, a, a attraction that everybody wants to go to. Like we now are thinking about, well, when the president visits the Taj Mahal, how are we going to be respectful for like the thousands of people that also want to see the Taj Mahal mm-hmm. on that day? So, you know, it, it, the planning starts, you know, from the minute he says, it. we're trying to think about worst case scenario and how do we make it like best case scenario, not just for him, but for everybody that's going to be there on that day. And I assume that very quickly with something like that there, you really have to start talking with advanced people who are figuring out travel times and things like this, right? Yes. You know, so um, every time the president travels internationally, we do uh, this thing called pre-advances where like we are, uh, myself, the director of advance, secret service, you know, a bunch of different departments will visit that country six to eight weeks in advance. And that's basically to set the framework of the trip, you know. So for the India trip, we landed and the first thing that we would do is we would meet with the ambassador for a brief meeting just to get his understanding of what he envisions this trip to look like. And like they have their set criteria, what they want the president to do, you know, so that meeting sets the tone of what the rest of the visit is going to be like. So like we will, we'll talk about the, the meetings that we would attend. So when the president met with, uh, Prime Minister Modi, you know, this is how long it was going to take. This is the room that we're going to use. You know, this is what the interpretation is going to be. All that helps sort of sketch out, all right, well, if it's consecutive interpretation, you know, then we need to add more time because it's not simultaneous. So like that's the bilateral component. And then we kind of then incorporate the cultural component where the host is probably not 
necessarily worried about, you know, like what else we do. They'll give us suggestions. Well, if you're going to go visit a cultural site, you should go here. So like we spend one to two days in these countries, basically, you know, in the eyes of like a, a normal person or a tourist, you know. So like if the president is going to visit this museum, we actually go to the museum, check out the art and like get a guided tour. You know, because if it, we meet, you know, like a great guy that gives a good tour, he in turn will be the person that guides the tour that the president does. You know, so um, it, it, you know, in that way, it gives us an opportunity to live the trip before it happens. You know, so while it won't be special to anyone until like the actual day, we've already created a skeleton eight weeks ago. By the time we get back to D.C., we're now adding the final touches. Are there things that you've learned to look out for and to anticipate? Yeah. And for me, like the way I look at my job is, you know, I'm scheduling the president of the United States, but I'm also scheduling, you know, Barack Obama, the father, the husband, you know, the sports enthusiastic. For example, like, you know, we wouldn't we try not to schedule something if he's going to do a foreign leader call not at the time that there's like a a key game going on. So while it's not important for someone to track the Bulls schedule, it is for me, Uh you know, so I can be able to say without a doubt, like, look, it's fine if we're going to ask him to do a call at night after dinner. You know, there's nothing that I foresee going on that's going to like stop him from doing something that he enjoys privately. Are you a meticulously scheduled person? So I I used to, you know, so I'm great at scheduling the president, but I am not at myself. The one thing that I try to do, and it's only for my kids, you know, so I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Like I want to be home by the time they go to bed. You know, 9.30 is the cutoff for my daughter, Riley. So I try to make it home by then. And even if I have tons of work that I still need to do, I'll tuck her to bed and then like, open up my laptop and start working again. When do you start working in the morning normally? So typically a day will start, roughly I get in at 8.45. My first meeting is not until 9.30, so it gives me 45 minutes to clear out my email inbox, read scheduling proposals, which the majority of all the events that land on the president's schedule come in the form of a scheduling proposal, where it's the department head opportunity to sort of give us a snapshot of what it is that they want. So from the title of the event, how much time they want, the press component of it all, who is attending, and we take that and sort of try to fit it into a particular day. How much of your day do you spend going through those kind of proposals? Um, like I, I leave it for the morning because it's you know formatted in a way, you know, we, we created the document. It's easiest for me to sort of scan and understand, all right, well, what do they really want? And like sometimes, you know, Folks will say like they need 15 minutes for a meeting with 50 people. And I already know that that's not reality. So I will start to edit it myself, you know, and say, all right, well, we can, you know, I think this can happen, you know, on Wednesday or like on a Monday where we know that we don't have any tours in the house. So we basically have free range to plug in things. Um, So I would say 45 minutes, me reading SPs, which prepares me for my first meeting, which is with our leadership core, where like we're now talking about, you know, what we have uh, coming up. So if I use today as an example, like we talked about the town hall that the president is currently getting ready to go, you know, so any final details that came after the schedule went final, what do we need to make sure that the president knows and uh, the traveling party knows? So that's your 9.30 meeting. Mm -hmm. What happens after that? I then meet with my schedulers. So I have three schedulers. Uh, We'll meet and talk about like what's happening tomorrow, then Monday. I try to stay 
five days ahead of everybody else. So if someone asks me about like what's taking place, you know, like next Thursday, I can spit it out with ease. Um, and not just me, but my scheduler who's assigned to that day can also do that. So you have a different person assigned? Yes. So there's three schedulers. Like we have a board where like each day of the week, you know, like someone's assigned a day and what ends up happening is, you know, so once I'm ready, I think an event is in a good place where we know that it's actionable and everybody has signed off that the president's going to do this. I start to funnel the information to the daily scheduler because it allows me to sort of slowly move away from July 3rd and now start to focus on the 4th, 5th, and 6th and like the scheduler of the day will take the torch in terms of like going final on it. So to some extent you're really looking at the president's schedule from above as it were. Yes. From a few hundred feet up and and then other people are diving in once you have a general sense. Yes. Because what ends up happening a lot of times is once an event finishes everybody else is also thinking about the next thing. So like we need people that you know, it's just not focused on the day. So like if you talk to a scheduler, they will tell you everything that's happening about Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday, because those are the days that they have. Whereas for me, I got to think about the entire week. Which seems like that must be really especially important on these travel days and travel weeks, because I guess you're not just thinking about what happens after he lands, but also about even what happens in the air and such. Yeah. You know, so like there's, you know, like when the president flies out to someplace, we even use the airtime, you know, so like if we can schedule a foreign leader call on Air Force One, that's killing two birds with one stone. You know, he's actually going to the location that he's going to give a speech at, but also can, you know, talk to a foreign leader about a matter that's important where, you know, if he were here, it would be tough to schedule a foreign leader call at the same time as, you know, him walking to a speech does that stuff go in his briefing book? How does, how does that information get passed on to him? So the, the schedule uh, will always go in his final briefing book, along with the memo for the... the evening briefing book? Yes, the evening briefing book, uh, along with uh, the memo attached to it. So the end of my day always ends with like looking at the schedule and the memo to make sure that it matches. If we're listing that 15 people will see the president, you know, that those 15 people are also in the briefing material, because that's how he makes the connection. All right, well, my time is going to be used doing this with these 15 people. You Are there know? usually like bios or things like that? Yeah, you know, so there'll be bios, uh, short bios of each person that he's going to meet. Also included, we'll ask questions like, has he met uh, this person before? Um, and if he has, you know, they'll uh, list out, you know. someone will tell me that when I went to the party. <laughs> when is the last interaction? So, it, you know, we try to make it as easy as possible uh, for the president to walk into a situation knowing that, you know, this is the first time that he's going to see this environment. He should be able to walk in and just sit down or deliver a speech without having to worry about, well, is so-and-so here, you know? So is, has all of this kind of long-distance thinking about scheduling mm-hmm. and time changed the way that you think about time itself? Is that, is that too existential? Do you have a philosophy of time that's emerged out of this work? Well, uh, only knowing that, you know, like, again, you know, once a second has passed, like, you know, you, you don't get it again. So, you know... I try to, for myself personally, use every minute of the day, you know, like, look, you know, like, let's not waste any time. You know, we have the tough role in scheduling the president of the United States. And like, we know that everything he does is important. But like, you know, as a human being, we should feel the same way, too. The stakes are higher for, you know, Barack Obama. But, you know, for Greg Lord, just, you know, like, I want to make sure that 
I have time to exercise, or I have time to eat, I have time to read and go to my kid's science fair. So like time, I, I'm a little naino where like my friends are like, oh, well, we can just do this. And I'm like, no, let's actually like schedule it out. Let's map it out. You know, so it Be gets, definitive. yeah, it gets, you know, I have to, I am a defender of, of time. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able to think about your own schedule differently than you do when you're thinking about the president's schedule? No, I'm a total <laughs> scheduler. You know, like my, uh, I was the best man for my friend's uh, wedding and, you know, he didn't ask, you know, to be scheduled, but I, I scheduled him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was know? grateful. Yeah, you know, where like it's from the nitty gritty, like, you know, like every schedule has the weather for the day for the president. So like the valets know how to pack and like what to put out, you know, every schedule kind of like lists out how long it's going to take to get from point A to point B. And, you know, I'll do that for anyone if if they want it, even if they don't want it, like because I'm attending, like it's already <laughs> scheduled out, you know, where I can tell like, oh, man, you know they're not going to make it in time. It's going to take 45 minutes. So like, should we get started or should we wait? You've been listening to the president's director of scheduling, Gregory Lorgist. In a minute, he tells us how he and his team modify the president's schedule when the unexpected occurs. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When things are running late, are people involved parties usually understanding? Yeah, because, you know, our job really is to take the president's vision and, and do the best that we can in, in timing it out. Because like, you need time, you know, as a framework, you know, like Secret Service can't do their job if they, they don't have a document to go over. You know, air ops can't plan and coordinate, you know, flights without having a time that, you know, we are going to go wheels up and wheels down. Um, but, you know, like the schedule will change, you know, a good example where, you know, the, the, the president met with a bunch of stakeholders to talk about the events that happened in um, Baton Rouge and Minnesota and Dallas. And knowing that we've, we've scheduled, you know, way too many of these and we know that there's a start time and it's hard really to gauge an end time, you know, you know, without saying how much time we planned for it. Like it went, we didn't plan for it to be a four hour meeting, but it ended up being that long because you can't really time out emotions. You know, you know, um, and we planned it at the end of the day where we knew that if it were to go longer, that it was OK. You know, it didn't screw up with anything. He was a little late to dinner. But outside of that, it didn't ruin someone else's plans. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the key functions of my job, you know, is to kind of think about how does this fit in like the overall life of the president? So it's not just about 
timing. It's about emotion, about feeling. Yeah, you know, because like, we don't do a good job if, you know, the, the president is the only person that walks off the stage and say this was a great event. You know, like I, we, we look at it in terms of how do we make this great for the president, uh, for the RPs, which uh, a term that uh, Paulette defined <laughs> for you guys. Yeah, the real people, like they need to benefit from this event as well. You know, so it's always the consumer. The president is going to pitch this to X and like they should enjoy it just as much as the president should. Yeah. Does he ever deviate in other ways on the fly from the schedule as it's set? Um, yeah, like, you know, like it's one of those, like, you know, we can say that, you know, like the speech was going to be 20 minutes, but like if the president ad libs and adds, you know, like a story that, you know, like as he's speaking, like he thinks about it, you know, like that changes or, you know, there's a, there's a friend that's in the audience and that he wants to spend extra time with, like all of that, he does it and like, you know, we, we adjust, you know, it's all about adjusting, you know, and we stand ready to do it, whether it's in a time of despair like last week where like the president was supposed to be in Spain up until the beginning of this week but the trip was cut short so we're planning how to get him home you know so like talking to the Spanish government and explaining like look you know yes we wanted to be here longer but the trip will get cut short you know so like those logistics have to be planned at the same time as the logistics for for Dallas and uh, the the part that I'm most honored about is, you know, when you think about a trip like Dallas, you know, it wasn't planned, you know, so for trips that are planned, we have the ability to sketch it out. You know, the president will be the first thing that's dead center and like we schedule around it. For Dallas, you know, he's not the focal point. You know, the focal point are the lives that were lost. And how do we go to a city and be sensitive to what's happening and also plan a trip that is heavily on logistics, you know, where like there's certain things that has to happen, you know, for security reasons and such, you know, we're the first team that anybody sees before they see the president. So, you know, having that, um, that honor, um, you know, it's, it's great. What's it like having to think about these really emotional, intense events, these events that are so weighty for, individuals, for the nation, for the president himself. What's, what's it like having to think about those events in such practical terms? So you never want, so every meeting that you attend, you know, every call that we have is one that we don't want to do. Well, we wish that we didn't do it. I kind of take a step back and think about like, you know, me as a dad, you know, me as, you know, like a brother, a son, and you know, the, the logistics of like how we're going to get the president there, like will be worked out. Like, you know, we've been doing it, you know, for close to eight years. So that is always easy. It's, it's, you know, finding a way to understand like how folks are going to um, receive him or, you know, it, how do we do it without screwing up the environment or like just what's happening, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's tough. I don't think if you told me that, all right, well, on Tuesday, you're going to have to schedule a, a trip to Dallas where the president's going to have to give a speech about five lives lost. Like, I probably would choose to, like, all right, well, I'll pass. You know, could you give me um, the trip where he's in Madrid and, like, you know, um, going to be, like, touring, you know, some stuff in, like, in Madrid? But since we don't know that, you know, like, you know, when it happens, like, as as sad as we are, like, we kind of get um, 
we, we take honor in knowing that like we, we got to do this. You know, this is something that's going to help in the healing process. It's like pain and, you know, a sense of glory at the same time, because we know that the message that people hear will help. Scripture tells us that in our sufferings, there is glory. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. You know, so we can't change what has happened. You know, you know, we're sad that it happened, but like, you know, if we're going to move forward as a country, as a nation, you know, this was the first step and like we played a small part in, in shaping that. Well, like you said, you don't, you don't get day 190 back. You gotta yeah. You know, so we want to be able to look back and say, you know, despite, you know, the, the obstacles and, you know, like this happening, like, I think you know, everybody that attended that event, everyone that heard that speech, you know, understands that um, we'll heal as a nation. And this is what started it. Are there mundane things that mess with the schedule? Like what, what about like traffic? Does that ever become a problem or, or airline takeoff times or? <laughs> So um, the president will never have issues with traffic sure. because <laughs> he, he has uh, police escorts. But when we go to a place like California, like we understand that driving in L.A. is, you know, like it's tough as it is for, um, you know, the, the person driving to work on a normal day. You know, so like it would be 10 times worse. Uh, if the president is in town. So like instead of driving, we'll take a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And that that's, you know, us understanding like, look, again, we're not trying to come into a, a an environment and mess anything up. You know, so we'll lift. Uh, things that it's happen. Be sensitive to other people's schedules as yes. well. Things that we don't control. It's like if it rains, you know, so like the president, you know, typically lifts from the South Lawn to uh, to Andrews to then fly off. But like if we have a bad weather call, which, you know, like we are always tracking, um, that changes things, you know. So you go from, you know, being able to get to Andrews quickly via helicopter to now having to add additional time for a drive. You know, like how does that look? You know, and all that happens, you know, literally probably uh, 30 minutes to an hour before game day. So everybody's in motion for plan A and like quickly has to turn to plan B. And what does that look like? You know, like how much time, you know, it gets added to the schedule and how can we make up? So having dealt with this for so long now, do you have any advice for people who are themselves, for example, me, perhaps mm-hmm. bad at time management? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the advice I would give the average person or just, you know, like my friends, my wife in general is like, you know, like time is precious, you know, so um, the, the more detailed you are on the front end, the better you are, you know, as it happens, you know, because, you know, it, it, there's no like panic in, you know, the changes that we have to do because I lay out every plan, every possible plan, you know, where at the same time, I'm telling you like uh, the best case scenario, I can, if you are willing to listen, you know, to the worst case scenario. And that's how I schedule myself too, you know, like where, you know, like you're thinking about, all right, if my bus doesn't come, how am I going to get to work? You know, like, or where do I have to walk to catch the next bus? Who do I have, you know, in in case there's no buses, you know, what colleagues that I know drive into work that I can bum a ride from. So it's, you know, I have a backup plan. Yeah. You know, so I basically, the more you plan on the front end, the better you are, you know, on the actual day. So 
we're in the last months of a uh, historic administration, administration you've been in for a long time. When you're thinking ahead to those last 189 days, as of the time that we're recording this, what kind of priorities do you set for yourself? So I want to make sure um, that I don't take for granted everything that um, uh, I've experienced. You know, so like that board over there lists all the countries that I've traveled to since you know, working here. And like the yellow represents, you know, all the places that I went as a private citizen, which is not much, you know, coming from a family of nine, like we never traveled, you know, like Coley Island was the one thing that we would do, you know, so it's been an honor to, you know, be able to travel the world, learn about different cultures, see different things. Whereas if I weren't in this space, I probably wouldn't have thought about that, you know, being able to do that, you know, so like taking this experience and being able to effectively share it with my kids who are over there, you know, you know, so they know that, you know, our culture starts with, you know, two people immigrating from Haiti, you know, having nine kids, them not knowing what they were going to do. They stress the importance of education, you know, like us now getting education has opened the doors to a son being able to work at the White House, you know, a, a daughter who is a school counselor, you know, and the list goes on, you know, so what's going to be next, you know, like, so for our kids. Um, so every day, you know, going forward, and I have that board, because I want to make sure that, you know, I can talk about each day, you know, whether it's through pictures or the, the notes that um, I share. So one thing, if I, you know, I can say like every trip that I've gone on, I've written uh, my daughter, Riley, and uh, my son, Aiden, postcards where I talk about one thing that I've done, you know, and I end it with saying, I can't wait till you get older so I can talk to you about this. And that's my way of never forgetting what has happened here. You know, like who knows what job uh, lays uh, ahead for me, but I know that there, there's things that I have that, you know, whether it's 20 years from now, I'll be able to look at it and go back to July uh, 12th, 2016, and remember that day as if it happened yesterday. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us. Was, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Our email address is working at slate.com and we read all of those emails that come in. So so please do send them in. And you can listen to all seven seasons at slate.com slash working. The series was produced by me and Mickey Capper. Our executive producer is Steve Lichtai, and the chief content officer of the Panoply Network is Andy Bowers. Thanks to Will Salton and Afim Shapiro, and special thanks to Rachel Rackison at the White House Press Office. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.